The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode of NFL History, Andrew and I discuss the great pioneer, one of the great pioneers of NFL history, Mr. Jim Thorpe, a man who accomplished so much athletically across multiple sports as well as multiple positions in the game of pro football. We take a look at his life, the tragedy of his death, and so much more. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how's it going? Uh, not bad. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just enjoying another wonderful Friday. Yeah, it is Friday. It is. I am excited. I am working another full weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah, all that money. Did you? Is it? Is it the money, Matt? Kind of, yeah. Well, or did you just pull the, the small straw? I actually, no, they asked. They've been asking, oh. dude. I They asked. When work asked, that's a nice feeling. Yeah. Well, I'm not on probation anymore. I was like the first six months I was on probation and I had to say yes to everything they asked. Everything? So pretty much. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Or I wasn't getting, pretty much I wasn't getting the job. You know, everything. <laughs> um, But, uh, but yeah, so I like, I like it. I like it. This is two weekends in a row. And, uh, you know, we get next weekend off for Labor Day weekend, which is really, really nice. I Friday, about that. Friday and Monday we get off. But I've been stockpiling, man. I've been just my whole life has changed since I like started reading up, reading these self-help books. And since I kind of since I announced the end of the show, I feel like a drastic change in my like life in I a could- good way. I could see it. I'm sad the show is ending, but it's better for you to be better in a mental, better mental state. Dude, I did for be doing this show. So, so relieved. So relieved. I know I've talked about it all week and listeners are probably a little exhausted of it, but <laughs> dude, I, I started like, like putting a debt in all my debts, right? I had that issue that I told you about where I owed the credit card company like $3,700 court order to show up. Since that, and plus reading all these books, dude, I paid off over two grand on that, on that on that credit card, and I've been putting away money, which is really nice. I haven't put money in my savings account in probably seven years. Holy cow! It was one of the best things to happen to me as far as like realizing how out of control my life was and how out of control my spending was and all that stuff. I just, man, I can't tell you, like, like listeners again, you're probably pretty sick of it, but. You know, if something that you are doing and it 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 becomes to be too much, 
right? I had a conversation with a guy at work, like just just stop. But I had a conversation with a guy at work today mm-hmm. uh, who made who made some things apparent, right? Like when I started podcasting, it was for the sake of therapy, right? As yeah. a, as a way to get away from work, and then I let podcasting take over. I let it become work, and that's where my issue went. And obviously, I'm still going to podcast. I'm going to still do some of my some of my other shows, and which I'm never been more excited to be a part of those shows than I you know than I am now. Um, but all in all, really good place in my life. I mean, if we were getting paid the millions oh. that everybody accuses us of getting paid when I, I post wish. something bad, <laughs> I, this would be a no brainer. But I do love it. I do love it, but. I, I think know. like I said, I'm at an age where I gotta start um growing up and putting other needs before my own. I think if we were making millions, I don't think we were gonna put up the stuff that we would have put up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of true too. I mean, when you're not making the money, it's really like what what do I have to lose? But yeah, if we, if you would like the show to continue, please throw millions of dollars our way. I'm pretty sure that will change Matt's mind. But other than that, we are done. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, oh, great. Some kid just texted me that he's not going to not recording tonight. I came to the studio just to open up for him, and they're not. <laughs> oh, these kids. Better record. Yeah. Um you gotta go. No, they're not. They're not, but it's whatever. It is what it is. They don't have keys and stuff. So, anyways, um, so today, yeah, we're gonna talk about Mr. Jim Thorpe uh and what he means to the game of professional football. He's a guy that it's really, really cool. There's a nice uh Andrew, you've been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes. And um there's a nice in like the first area that you can start looking and touring around. There's a wonderful uh, statue in the middle of the rotunda of Jim Thorpe. And it's like, it's really cool. Not the most detailed statue, but you get an idea of it. And this dude is, you know, you see the name. That's why I love going to museums, especially one like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because you see these names and it's like, man, why are they so godly? Like, why are they so um, heralded, right? Yeah. So heralded by, by, everybody and you go look him up and it's like wow jim thorpe was actually really really incredible like what he endured what he accomplished uh especially in a day like this is similar to red grange i think but i think i I think jim thorpe might be even a a bigger star than than red grange was i think jim thorpe transcends the nfl Right, what, Jim. Yep. That I think that's the way that you. I as a as an NFL star, Red Grange was was huge, but Jim Short, Jim Jim Thorpe, transcends all that. And the only way to kind of give him a comparison of what kind of not just player but athlete he was, and I'm going to say the name, and you're going to get like super mad at me, but I'm also going to say another name. Is think of like what. Bo, what we watch Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders do. Oh no, I'm I'm fine with that. It, just that supreme athlete that they can do multiple different things at a at a very high level. Right. 
you know, they can go from here to there without really missing a beat. Right. And I think that's in a, a sports world that's so concentrated on one sport and everything else. And we have fun, you know, could this guy play this game? What if this player in the NBA would play, you know, this sport or anything like that? Those guys could actually do it and play it at a high level. And Jim Thorpe is probably in that category is he is. I, I liken it. And obviously the, 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 the other sport that he did was not it, it was not a great run. But like when Michael Jordan quit basketball to go play baseball, the yeah. uh, was it Birmingham Barons was the, the team name. It was mm-hmm. I, don't, I think that was it. Um, like that. It brings an extra attention to the sport, which we talked about before. Pro football needed that direly um, needed that extra shot in the arm. Uh, I look at now UFC was getting pretty popular, but Brock Lesnar going from the world of pro wrestling to MMA to the UFC, uh, you know, helped give that sport a shot in the arm. I haven't watched. I was watching all the time when Brock Lesnar was in UFC. I did not, you know, I haven't really thoroughly followed it since then. You know, a friend invites me over for a pay-per-view or whatever. I'll I'll go and watch it. But that's kind of the equivalent because when you look at the timeline, obviously we're going to go through it pretty thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Jim Thorpe had, uh, played pro played pro baseball. One uh, competed in the Olympics and won medals. Yes. All right. And I he might have dabbled in some other sports before he hit pro football. Yeah, I think at one point I was watching something. He won like ballroom dancing competitions. Like yeah. just, like whatever he wanted to do, he could excel at. And you talk about Michael Jordan and. And Brock Lesnar and stuff like that. It's Brock tried football. He didn't even make that. But yeah. uh, Michael Jordan with baseball never got past the minor leagues. And it was just more, he was just more of a name than anything else than excelling at that sport. Right. And I think that goes to show you how hard it is to do, even in this era that he was playing in, you know, late the the late teens early, you know, in the twenties as well, but just to just be able to do that, just say, you know what, I'm going to go play baseball. You know what? I think I'm going to go try football. I'm going to go do this. I mean, if somebody asked me to go ballroom dancing, then I would, I would completely fail, even though I'm not an athlete as Jim Thorpe or anything like that, but you get, you got to kind of think of it on that aspect. Right how great he was just all around. Yeah. I mean, he could, he could throw himself into anything and, and be all right. Um, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's start to dive in a story. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot here. <laughs> this dude is, uh, is awesome. 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 Let's go into his, uh, his early life. All right. We'll start from the, all the way from the beginning, uh, with Mr. Jim Thorpe. And then we'll run through all of his, uh, you know, his life story and stuff. So, he was, uh, you know, his early, his his birth is, there's some mystery shrouded in it. We don't really know if Jim Thorpe was his name. Um, we don't know what his, you know, ethnicity was. He obviously was Native American, um, but, you know, of various, you know, various tribes. Like, what's the deal? Nobody's really certain of it. Um 
he was baptized under the name Jacobus Franciscus Thorpe. And that probably led to his name being Jim Thorpe. But, you know, the other stuff, there's like no birth certificate, anything that, you know, to accommodate his birth. He was born, allegedly, in, where'd it go? Uh, they say either May 22nd or May 28th of 1887. Um, they're in Indian territory of uh, in around Oklahoma, modern day Oklahoma. Um, and uh, you know that just that's really there's not a whole lot to it. Um, a lot of, a lot of people believe that he was born on the twenty second, uh, which is the date listed on his baptismal certificate. Uh. He also said that Shawnee referred to Shawnee, which is uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma, as a place of his birthplace. And he said that in 1943. Um, his parents were of mixed race. His fa- his dad's name was Haram, who was uh, who had an Irish father and a. Uh, and a sack and fox Indian mother, apparently that's a uh, another it's another tribe. Um yeah, it's a different tribe of uh, Native Americans. But, uh, oh, God, these chips are hot. <laughs> <laughs> They're Anchor Bar wing chips. Oh, they went down my throat and it just started burning the esophagus. Uh, but, yeah, both his parents were Roman Catholic, and uh, Jim Thorpe viewed that. His, you know, he was probably Catholic his entire life. Um, uh, let's see. He ran away. He was, he had a rough childhood. His twin brother, um, he had a twin brother, Charlie, who eventually passed away from pneumonia when they were both nine years old. Uh, he ran away from school a bunch and, uh, eventually got so bad that his dad sent him to a, uh, a boarding school in Kansas. So we would not run away again. Um, yeah, he didn't like regiment. No, yeah. no. I mean, yeah, that's a good thing, though. Uh, <laughs> his uh, Unfortunately, his mom passed away of childbirth complications a couple of years later. Um, so another, you know, another Thorpe. And uh, he, it, it hit him hard. I mean, it obviously it would. If you're, I mean, at any age, it uh, it hits you hard. But especially in your foundational years, you know, uh, still a child, still innocent. When you lose your mom, uh, it is, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's just never a good time. Um, he actually had some arguments with his dad and, uh, he decided to leave home at the, you know, very early on and went to work on a horse ranch. Uh, in 1904 at 16 years old, he went back to his dad and, uh, he went, decided to attend school. Uh, that was so cool, man. Can you imagine you could just kind of pick and choose when you want to go to school when you were a kid? I'm going to go work on a horse ranch. Just leave. Just leave. Just go. I'm good. A lot of people did that. It was a lot more common back then. I was told stories about my great-grandfather dropping out of the fourth grade to go, like, work in the coal mines or on the railroads. So that's... It's it's about probably around in this time, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. School wasn't, like... I don't know. You see all those old TV shows and stuff. Kids running right to the circus. And that was, that was, I mean, right. Dumbo. 
Anybody? Who? Wait, what part of Dumbo did a kid run away to the circus? Well, I don't know. Just all the carnies. Did, did they ever state that in Dumbo? I don't know, but I just I just feel like that's a thing that kids did back in the Dumbo days. <laughs> Matt assuming on the Dumbo situation. I know. Assumptions are bad. Um <laughs> I just wanted to know because I was going to go back and try and watch it where I was like, I left school. And, you know, it's like Disney back then. So it's like going to be the craziest dumbing sounding accent known to man. Dude, I leave school. Um, anyways, he went to uh, a school called Carlisle Indian Industrial School in, uh, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay. That makes sense for some other events later on a little bit. Um, and they, his athletics really shown, and uh, he was noticed by a guy by the name of uh, Glenn Scobie Warner, who had the nickname Pop, Pop Warner, uh, which is pretty much a universal youth football club, like a nationally, like isn't it kind of like an arrangement? Pop Warner football—that's what they call it a lot. Yeah, he's kind of like the founder of the rules of football too. That's crazy. It's like, this is what a connection, right? To get noticed by this guy. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he just got really, really, you know, his athletic car- his career really started to jump off his, he had a lot of other issues at home. His, his, his dad ended up passing away from green, green poisoning. Uh, he was shocked or hurt somehow in a hunting accident and he decided to, uh, he did decide to uh, drop, drop from, drop out of school. Uh, and then he returned like, like what, how old is he? He like, he resumed farm work for a few years and then he returned to Carlisle school. What is the life inspectancy at this point? You got to think of that. You just can't pick and choose when you want to go to college. That's not how it works or not college, but just high school. That's not how it works. Who do you think he is? Who do you ever beat? <laughs> you, you had to be there. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, so he began his athletic, uh, really began his athletic career in 1907. He uh, he went, he walked past a uh, a track while in uh, while in street clothes. Still, of course, the you know the overalls and the newspaper boy hats and all that stuff. Uh, and he beat all the high school the the schools. They're high jumpers. He beat them all. All these trained athletes. And uh, he got him with a five foot nine inch jump. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, let's get this kid in sports. Um, his earliest recorded track and field results come from 1907. He also competed in a host of other stuff. Man, God, he sounds a lot like me in podcasts. He just did whatever came his way: <laughs> football, baseball, lacrosse, and ballroom dancing. Uh, as you did mention, Andrew, and he mm-hmm. won the 1912 intercollegiate ballroom dancing championship. You have that ballroom dancing podcast, don't you? I'm going to start one now. <laughs> About to start one. Swear to God, I'll do it. Uh, but, uh, of course, do, doing all, you know, all that football um, or, you know, track and field. Yeah, Pop Warner didn't want Thorpe to play football, which is weird. You know, Pop Warner, obviously, like we said, one of the most influential uh, coaches in, in, you know, in, in 
in just people in pro football history, the early days. And he didn't want a guy like Thorpe playing football, which makes sense to an extent. It's weird that Pop Warner didn't, but I understand that the, the not wanting multiple sport athletes. Yeah. He was afraid that he was going to get hurt because he loved, liked it so much in his like track and field that that's what he thought he had back then. Cause once again, this is, this is football. What is he going to do? <laughs> You're not doing anything great in football after college. Right. Oh, this is tremendous. Um, he eventually, you know, convinced pop Warner to let him uh, just do some stuff, try some rushing plays, right? The forward pass wasn't anything crazy or significant back then. I don't even know if it was legal uh, yet. Pop Warner, Pop Warner actually kind of hated the whole idea of the forward pass. Did he really? Yeah, I was. I'm pretty sure it was him that they. I was. Somebody was talking about that he didn't really, really appreciate it. That it was more of a trick play. Than I could see that from back then. You know what that reminds me of? I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember in Semi Pro? You ever seen Semi Pro? Oh yeah. When Will Ferrell bumps busts out the uh, busts out the uh, the alley oop. Yeah. And everyone's like, "What is that legal?" <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm fe- feeling that. Just saying. Um, but he's like, all right, let me do, just do, go do some wrestling plays, coach. And uh, Warner's like, yeah, he just get tackled easily, and he'll never want to play football again. Um, but he ran past him. He ran past all the defenders, not just once, but twice. <laughs> so Jim Thorpe walked over to uh this is according to eyewitness accounts, walked over to uh Mr. Pop Warner and he said, Nobody's going to tackle Jim. And he flipped him the ball. <laughs> well, he did play against I, I think it was almost in the pros or so at some point with with uh Newt Rockney. Oh. And Newt Rockney got him in the backfield and got him good. And he, he said and he told him, he said, he said, you know what? And he pointed to the stands. He said, all these people are here to see old Jim run. So why don't you let old Jim run? Next play, he got the ball. Same play, Rockney came in. Thorpe popped Rockney with his knee, took the ball 60 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> and he said, boy, Rock, you let old Jim run. <laughs> so he so, speaks in third person. So he's dead. No, he's not Deadpool. He speaks in the third person. He is the, he's the rock. Yeah. Another great multiracial athlete. Yeah. There you go. Sure is. Um, so, yeah. So, Thorpe got really famous about 1911 uh, for his ability. He played multiple positions, which is what our theme of this month was. Running back, defensive back, place kicker, and punter. And place kicker. He was a drop kicker. Oh, so like a punt kicker? Yeah. I gotcha. Good old drop ball. Yeah. That's that's cool. Um good for him. He uh he scored all he, he in a game against Harvard, uh Thorpe scored all four field goals for his team and uh they beat Harvard 18 to 15, which you know, we may not think of Harvard football as much right now, but they were one of the better teams in the early days of the NCAA. Those okay. those good old sweater vests, like those sweaters, I love those things. The old college sweaters with the college name on it. That was their jersey. That's so that's so good. 
Um, yeah, they did pretty damn good in 1912. They finished 11 and one and they won the national collegiate championship. Most likely, uh, you know, a lot, a large part of it due to Jim Thorpe. He scored 25 touchdowns and 198 points, uh, during that season. And, uh, there's various reports on it. Like one guy says, uh, this Greg Patello said the stats that I just read. Another guy, Steve Boda says that he scored 27 touchdowns and 224 points. Um, yeah, there's a hundred and he rushed 191 times for 1,869 yards. Like what we talked about with Red Grange, a lot of the stats are mythological in a way. Yeah. We can't define. I don't think there was an actual statistician at all at this point, but more of mythal just in myth. And there's only one video of him ever doing anything, and it's just him kind of doing drills. Yeah. So crazy. That's a shame, too. Um, yeah. So also in that year, 1912, the uh Jim Thorpe helped the team beat uh beat the West Point Army team with a 27 to 6 victory. Uh this is awesome too. He ran a 92 yard touchdown. It was called back because of a penalty, not that he did it. And then on the next play, he ran for a 97-yard touchdown. I couldn't imagine being that good. Head and shoulders, man. A... <laughs> I know. I mean, when you're that athletic, athleticism probably got you really far back then. I Yeah, not so much where it's plays that are called or anything like that, but if you were a superior athlete, you're definitely can dominate anything right now. It's more technique. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot more yeah. technique. There's obviously athleticism involved, but it's, it's, there's a lot more technique and skill that go into the game and planning and yes. stuff. This is, this is a, no pun intended, a whole different ball game <laughs> when it comes to in this, in this era of just being able to play and going out there. What did, what did Brian call it? find the ball find the ball carrier and kill him yeah yeah I mean, it, 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 it is kind of that but you could overcome that with your athleticism and and if you could just beat the crap out of people you can just beat the crap out of people absolutely um famously in that game there, well there's another famous person in that game that they played against uh mr dwight excuse me president Dwight D. Eisenhower, the future president, uh, played against him and uh, had some really nice things to say uh, about Jim Thorpe, saying that he was one of the best football players ever, uh, and he was basically a guy that didn't practice. So, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Uh, so looking back at some of his collegiate career, he was given third-team All-American honors in 1908, and he's first-team All-American in 1911 and 12. Um, it was his favorite sport. Football was, and it was so he, he, so beloved that he didn't even do track and field uh, in 1910 or 11, although that really led to his, his pomp and circumstance, his fame. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so after football, obviously this is, you got to think about him this time too. Uh, pro football wasn't a thing. It wasn't a sport. There was no future. It was college was the peak. Well, why did they, they put it as pro wrestling? an exhibition 
Right. I think that what they had, they had the 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 circuits. The, like, there was like a New yeah. York circuit. Ohio had a, cir- a couple circuits. Um, like the barnstorming type of stuff, too. Essentially, a little bit before that. But, yeah, there was very small marketed areas, and teams didn't really last the whole time. It was it was just a way to kind of get the sport um, out there and, 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 and grow, it, in a sense, in, in its own respectable respectful market um but after that he decided he was going to go and uh i'm gonna go he's gonna go in the olympics and and play and go do track and field um he didn't start training until the spring of 1912 and uh he all he wanted to do was jumps hurdles and shot puts uh but added he's like ah, well it's a couple more things pole vaulting javelin discus hammer discus hammer and 56 pound weight um and uh, he just blew everyone out at the Olympic trials. So uh, he earned a place on the team that went to Stockholm, Sweden for the 1912 games. Um, yeah, he uh, he participated. They, well, they had two new multi-events there, the pentathlon and the decathlon. And, uh, and yeah, Jim Thorpe was like, yeah, let's go. Let's get to it. Um, they were perfect for his his style of of I mean athlete right the versatility yeah. strong fast um you know the endurance all that stuff it 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 fit his uh it it fit his his uh you know his his repertoire as they he say he didn't even have he didn't even have to try out for the Olympics either like they just were sitting. just like yeah you're good oh. just get out <laughs> just you're, get out there you're so go. good. You haven't done track and yeah. field in two years. This is just go do it. Um, Whatever. So he in his obituary in the nineteen in I think it died in nineteen fifty three. Uh, in the New York Times, uh, it said that he had run the hundred yard dash in ten seconds flat, the two twenty in twenty one point eight, the four forty in fifty one point eight, the eight eighty in one fifty seven, had a four thirty five uh, four minutes thirty five second mile. Um, he do the hundred twenty yard high hurdles in fifteen seconds the 220 yard low hurdles in 24 seconds. You could also long jump 23 feet, six inches and high jump six foot five whole vault, 11 feet shot, put 47 feet, nine inches and throw, uh, throw the javelin 163 feet and throw the discus 136. So that's, that sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. I can almost shot put as more as he did. No big deal. Anyways, can you? I think I hit forty five or forty six. That was my. I had the school, the city record for a little while. Did you really? One year, I never played track and field, or never did shop, whatever. I went out my senior year and threw it, and uh, it stood until some other kid broke it, like two years later. Uh so you got to be, you got to be lucky, like my uncle. I didn't realize my uncle did like pole vaulting, and my brother was looking at the old LaSalle Senior High School records and he was like third highest in school history in pole vault huh. and then you oh, figure no. there's, there's no more LaSalle senior so he's always going to be third I'm sorry it wasn't shot put it was discus I accidentally got the discus record it was so bad <laughs> I had one of these heavy metal discs and I caught the wind just right and I had that that's what I had the school record in my fault it was like 137 feet so you did more than maybe it was less. I'm not, I I don't remember. I'm just gonna stop talking now because Jim Thorpe is a much better um 
athlete than I am. Let's pretend I never said but anything. Those chips are hot, though. <laughs> They're very hot. I don't uh, see. Nobody, nobody, refi- nobody refilled the fridge, the fridge uh, with Powerade, and I'm pissed. Um, so, anyways, he uh, he entered the Olympics for both of the, both pentathlon and decathlon, and um, easily earned a place on the pentathlon team. He won three of the events. Uh, the decathlon trial just canceled. Yeah, but uh, but Thorpe is uh, he chose to represent. He was chosen to represent the United States in the in the event. Um, so Thorpe was uh, he was very busy in the Olympics, along with both those events. He competed in the long jump and high jump. The uh, the first competition was the pentathlon on July seventh, and he won four of the five events and placed third in javelin, which he had not competed in before nineteen twelve. Um, Thorpe won the gold medal though. Thorpe won the gold medal. Uh, that same day, he also qualified for the high jump finale, and he tied for fourth. Uh, he also placed seventh in the long jump. But uh, his final event was the decathlon, uh, his one and only. And uh, Thorpe won. He defeated. Why was it canceled? Oh, the decathlon trial was canceled. I oh. see. The, not the event. My apologies uh, if I misphrased that. Uh, Thorpe. Defeated this uh, Hugo Weislander, who was expected to to win, and he beat him by 688 points. Oh, my God. He (laughs) placed in top four in all 10 events, and his Olympic record of 8,413 points stood for almost 20 years. Um, Oh, I heard of I love this story. Okay, I have heard this before. So someone had actually stolen his shoes right before he was supposed to compete. I think I, I think I watched this. Uh, 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 I th- didn't somebody make a movie on Jim Thorpe like 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I feel like I seen seen this. I just seen the drunk history version of this. I think I seen there's an actual movie. So someone had stolen his shoes right before he was supposed to compete, and he found a mismatched pair um, of replacement shoes. Not like they didn't even fit his feet properly. One of them was from a trash can. Um, yeah, he literally pulled a shoe out of the trash can. And he won the gold medal. And he won eight out of 15 individual events uh, between the uh, pentathlon and decathlon. And, uh, and yeah, so he was presented the medals, gold medals. He did all that stuff. He got some two challenge prizes. He was uh, gifted, uh, donated. I'm not sure exactly what they were. But um, King Gustav V of Sweden for the decathlon and uh, Tsar Nicholas II of Russia the, uh, gave an award for the pentathlon. And uh, King Gustav said, you, sir, are the greatest athlete in the world, to which Bert replied, thanks, King. <laughs> I love this man. Uh, oh, Jim loves gold medals. I wish he would have said Jim thanks you, King. Um but uh yeah, it was uh it was it, it, the anic- it, it appeared in the papers in 1948, 36 years after it and uh it's it's a real thing cuz people are like there's no way that happened, but that's just Jim Thorpe. Um he came home uh and he was pretty successful uh they they celebrated his 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 amazing olympic run with a ticker tape parade on broadway street and um 
he was he was overwhelmed by it. Uh, he also played in a couple exhibition uh, baseball games of the 1912 Olympics as well. And uh, and yeah. So anyways, all around champion after his victories at the Olympic Games in Sweden, throw return to the Kel- to Celtic Park, the home of the Irish American Club in New York uh, to compete in the Amateur Athletic Union's all around championship. And uh, he competed against the likes of Bruno Broad of the Irish American Athletic Club and John L. Bradimus of Princeton University. He won seven of the ten events there. Uh, came in second in the other three. He had a total point score of 7,476 points, uh, which was a record. He broke the record at that time with that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of compliments. Dude, uh, could not do he, he could not do any wrong but um but here we are uh <laughs> this is uh this is a tough moment here so in 1912 uh this is way 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 before uh athletes uh you know you back then the olympics were a celebration of um amateur amateur athletes right yeah. if you people who had not received any payment and compensation for sport because we do know that money changes things and there's something special about, you know, being an amateur. Uh, well, in- that's why Russia was so great in hockey and basketball because they didn't pay their athletes in professional sports, even though they did pay them, like, because I guess they had to join military service. Right. And so they got a bunch of, like, 25 to 30-year-olds and we're like, hey, these are college kids they're like 19 to 22 years old before they go into the nba or the nhl or or into baseball or into major league baseball so that was there was paid athletes but they weren't paid in a way they just had to do military Directly, yeah there was there was uh, this you know there was uh there was a lot of controversy around that but he uh jim thorpe actually got in a lot of trouble got his uh PP slapped, as the kids like to say nowadays. Um, anybody who received money for, uh, you know, money prizes for competitions, there were not allowed to compete. And uh, in January 1913, somebody reported that Thorpe had played professional baseball before the Olympics. Ooh. And a bunch of other newspapers followed up the story. Not like taking down your own guy. Uh, well, that's Worcester Telegram. That's England, right? No, it's Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Man. Let's bury the dude. Um, yeah, he played uh, a bunch of U.S. newspapers ah. called up, and he had played. What uh, colleges in Massachusetts that we mentioned? Not Harvard, is it? Yep. Is it? Harvard's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm, those bastards. Ooh, spiteful. George Hallis style right here. Oh, super George Hallis style. Um. But yeah, he they found out that he had played professional baseball in, e- in the Eastern Carolina League for Rocky Mount, North Carolina, in 1909 and 1910, and he received $2 per game and about $35 per week, which translates to roughly, no, it's not, it's not bad, translates to about $58 a game in today's money and about $1,018 a week. That's not bad at all. Right. No, it's not not a bad life. To, I, I'll take that for a week. Um, back then, is this like a side hustle? Absolutely. But this is a common thing back in the day. College players, they love to uh, they, that's what they did spend in their summers. Right. Some guys 
some guys did concrete work in the summer. Some guys, you know, they illegally play professional baseball. Um, and earn John Elway got, I mean, this is years ahead, but John Elway got paid to pay, play minor league baseball for the Yankees one summer. Really? Yeah, that's when they were trying to court him into not play football. Good for him. I think Drew Henson did the same thing, and that's why he left Michigan. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, the the catch was that a lot of people did not like to use their real name. Jim Thorpe did. <laughs> he was honest. Not like being punished for honesty. Um but a lot of the people didn't care. A lot of the public, a lot of uh, uh, spectators, fans of, of Jim Thorpe did not care. But uh, the Amateur Athletic Union did. And uh, he admitted to it. And he tried to uh, write a letter to wave it off. And uh, they ended up stripping Jim Thorpe of his Olympic medals, titles, and awards. And he was declared a professional. So, um, and my understanding was Pop Warner that actually set him up. Really, league baseball. Yeah, I was watching Sports Century. Pop Warner kind of uh, used this way, especially that Carlisle, is they did a lot of recruiting to reservations in these Native American territories, right? To get these, to get these naive Native American kids go to Carlisle excel where other schools were going after you know you know white kids so they got these guys and they exploited them out kind of like just right here and that letter I guess was almost supposedly like forced upon them to write really yeah like <laughs> that's that's what it, that, that was what I was getting out of the sports century is like they pretty much forced him to try and write that letter, and he didn't really, he didn't really care. He didn't care. Well, here's the interesting though: the AAU and the International Olympic Committee they did not even follow their own rules. All right, the original ruling back from 1912 said that um, the protest had to be made within 30 days of closing ceremonies to discover and acknowledge cheating. Uh, those reports that he was a pro did not happen until about six months after. So technically, this should have never been a thing. Um, there's also reportedly some evidence that the AAU knew this. That they knew he had played professional baseball for the Olympics, but they ignored it until being confronted with it, probably by a, a rat, a stooge. Um, yep. But regardless... After that, Thorpe was declared professional. He got a ton of interest from professional sports teams. So, um, so yeah. So it's kind of a it, in the long run, it's a win-win. Yeah, in a I mean, sense, it's just, it's just kind of crappy that it happens. Oh, hundred percent. That if they did know all of this, and all of a sudden now that they got caught, now they need to backtrack and say, "Well, okay, well, you can't." you don't get your medals. We're going to take them away. We're not going to follow our own rules or anything like that. It almost sounds, I know this is probably like the precursor to the NCAA, but it sounds very NCAA like, Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's yeah. NCAA. Oh, what a, what a governing body that is. Um, all right. So 
Jim Thorpe was a free. He's a free agent. And, uh, and yeah, he was very sought after at the major league level. And he, uh, he eventually joined up with the 1912 National League champion New York Giants. Um, not the football team, the baseball team. And he played in 19 of the 151 games. And they actually, he has a, he has a world, uh, a, you know, world championship, a national, uh, or national league champions in 1913. Um, oh, they lost in the world series. He's got a pennant. He does have a pennant. Um, yeah. So he ended up going to join the, uh, the white Sox on a world tour, a barnstorming tour. Look at that. Yeah, and he was the main celebrity, much like Red Grange, and a lot of those, you know, the Bears back in the day, like to hype up Red Grange and was selling out stadiums. Jim Thorpe was that guy, and uh, big attendance, a lot of publicity, and uh, yeah, the gate receipts for the tour were huge. And through that, he got to meet a lot of, uh, he got a lot of meet meet a lot of famous people, including Pope Pius the Tenth, uh, Abbas Ilhimi Bay, uh, which is. What the fuck is a key dive? Um, it's an honorific. T- it's like a sultan or a grand vizier, um, that sort of title. And he also played in front of twenty thousand people in London uh, in King before King George V, which is pretty cool. Um, Thorpe was the last man to compete in both the Olympics and Major League Baseball um, before Eddie Alvarez did the same in two thousand twenty, but. Um, but yeah, so here we go. We got his, his sporadic playing um, at the pro level. He did. He went. Uh, you know, he had a stint with the Milwaukee Brewers in 1916. He went back to the Giants in 17. Then he got sold to the Cincinnati Reds. Um. By the end of that year, and uh, he drove in a winning run in the 10th inning. There was a like a double no hitter happening, and uh, Thorpe uh, got the job done. And then he got sold back to the Giants again. Uh, and he's, we played a little bit here and there in 1918. He uh, was traded to the Boston Braves on May 21st, 1919 for um, some dude named Pat Reagan. And uh, over his career, he 91 runs scored, 82 runs batted, and a 252 batting average over 289 games. And he played in uh, minor league baseball until 1922. Uh, but he wasn't done with football. He uh, He wasn't done with football. He didn't want to be done with football. So he, I mean, this is Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders like. He was playing, uh, you know, multiple sports at the same time. In 1915, he signed with the Canton Bulldogs, all right, to take his first steps into professional football. Uh, Canton was one of the pioneer teams of the National Football League or the America or APFA, the All Pro Football Alliance or whatever the heck it was called um, at the time before it eventually became the NFL in 1921, 22. Um, they paid him $250, which is about $6,600 in today's money um, per game, per game, which is a really, really, really good wage. That's yeah. That's... <laughs> you, I mean, they played 10 games a year, uh, roughly around that time. And uh, that's, that's a hefty sum. Well, you're it, 1915, $6,697 per game. I don't know if that's Red Grange money. It's maybe a little bit under, but anyways, they uh, they signed him uh, before signing. Canton was struggling to draw a crowd. They got about twelve hundred people at, at a game. 
Um, and after Thorpe debuted against the Massillian Tigers, Massillian Tigers, uh, they were had regularly 8,000 plus people showing up to games. So that's uh, pretty good. Not too shabby. Um, the Canton Bulldogs won league titles in 16, 17, and 1919. And uh, he actually ended the 1919 championship game by kicking a, a wind-assisted 95-yard punt from his own uh, five-yard line. And he put the game out of reach for their opponents. That's money there. That's like me breaking the, the city record with the shot, uh, the discus. Just um, <laughs> pull, the, pull the homer. You pull the homer. Um, in 1920, this is the formation of the National Football League or what, you know, the, well, it was American Professional Football Association. That's what it was, not whatever I said three minutes ago. Um, but they were one of the 14 teams to form it. And uh, Thorpe was their first president. So this dude was a president of the league, coach, player, probably a team owner. I, I, was he a team? I, I don't know if he's a team owner, but... Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't think he played for. I don't think he owned the Oorang Indians. That was like his team there. But I don't see Roger Goodell slapping on pads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get see on, that at all. Get on his level. Um, yeah, between 19, yeah, 21 and 23, he helped organize those, uh, that Indian team, uh, which was all Native Americans. The team struggled a little bit. Um, but uh, Thorpe did really, really well. He was eligible for their first all NFL team in 1923. Uh, yeah, pretty dang good. He never played for an NFL championship team, though. He retired from pro football at age 41. Uh, he played 52 games for six teams between 1920 and 28. Take that, Tom Brady and Ryan Fitzpatrick. What? What, what is he taking? He played until he was like 41 back then, and then the six teams in uh, eight years? Yeah, I could play on nine years. 52 games over six years. Oh, they God. played what, like nine games a season? I don't even think they played 10 back then. Tom Brady's played over 300 games and has less than less than 100 losses. And he didn't take as many hits as Jim Thorpe did in, <laughs> in one game. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so actually he had a bit of a basketball career, too which uh, a lot of people don't realize this. So after with football and all that, um, somebody found a ticket that mentioned him playing pro basketball, which is insane. 1926, he was the main feature of the world-famous Indians of LaRue, which was a traveling basketball team. And they barnstormed for two years between 1927 and 28. Um, but his basketball career isn't very well done documented or talked about actually i didn't really know about it either i didn't know that either um and he was actually really close to going into pro hockey <laughs> Jeez, like take a minute here jim he's like a 10 sport athlete I... <laughs> uh so yeah i mean that's kind of his pro career he uh he his marriage and family uh he was married three times and he had a total of eight children um which was uh pretty cool one of the one of the uh the wives divorced him for claiming desertion in 1925 um he was lastly married on june 2nd 1945 and she was with him when she had uh, when he had passed away um, yeah they, they said he he wasn't around too much like they were interviewing his children 
they said like their mother would just get random phone calls that he would be in like Florida drunk and somebody needs to come and get him or he would be digging ditches after his career in California because he just he wasn't playing anything so he was bored it, it, I mean he, he was still pretty prominent though it's so hard because, I mean that's the that's the balance everybody wants the good things in life but uh but a guy like Jim Thorpe he had to be busy to keep the income coming right So, um, but he did eventually struggle. He did uh, struggle to provide for his family. Um, could not find a non-sports related uh, job. And he couldn't hold on to a job for a long time. And Great Depression was extra hard on him. He uh, eventually did star in some movies. And he was cast, he was typecast as the, uh, as classic uh, stereotypes that they did in, um, in, you know, back in the day. So, American Indian Chiefs and a lot of Western films from the back in the day. Um, he actually, uh, this was big for him though. During 1931, during the Great Depression, he sold the film rights to his life story to MGM, who uh, for fifteen hundred dollars, which is about twenty seven grand today. And uh, he did some other movie stuff too. He was in the a Newt Rockney All American film. He was he portrayed an umpire. Um, he was also a member of the Navajo Nation in the 1950 film Wagon Master. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, aside from all this, too, we have to consider the time period. Um, I mean, if you think racism is bad today, it was pretty bad um, back then. I mean, even you look back, not just African-Americans and former, you know, former slaves and such, but Native Americans who were constantly being pushed and forced out of their land. There was a very uh, degrading culture and look towards Native Americans. You know, Italians coming from across from Europe. I remember, like, you hear about that. They were bullied quite a bit. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, and it's kind of sickening. But he, um, he wasn't even really technically a U.S. citizen until later on. I think when he was in the Olympics, he wasn't even considered a U.S. citizen because he was born on a Native American territory. Right. That's so, that's why the lack of the birth certificate and stuff is so confusing. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, they thought a lot of him being stripped was because of his ethnicity, ethnicity um, at the time. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was a tricky, tricky thing. Um, he did eventually get his Olympic awards reinstated well after his death. I believe it was like in 1980s. In 1982, they uh, reinstated his uh, his his gold medals, which is kind of shitty that he yeah. died without knowing that. But I mean, better late than never, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of good stuff. I actually. Okay, so do you want to tell a story about the funeral? Because um, you have a better grasp on that than I do. So he he died of heart failure in what was I gotta go back up uh, in on March twenty eighth of nineteen fifty three. Pretty much, uh, there was no pension or anything like that for former for former athletes. So he died in a trailer park of heart failure. His wife at the time wanted to bury him in Oklahoma. The governor of Oklahoma at the time said, no, you're not, you're not, he's not being buried here. 
So she pretty much had to, it sounds horrible, but sell his burial rights to, you know, just to find a place to, to bury him, to lay him to rest. And it ended up being a place in Pennsylvania and they renamed themselves Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And that's where he's laid to rest today, even though he really has no connection with that town. And that's um, and that's got to be pretty sad in a way. Is you're this great American athlete, and nobody nobody wants you. Even the place where you were born is like, no, no, we're not going to do that. So you got to. That's just a horrible feeling that you got to like almost find somewhere to to put somebody just to rest, right? When you should just be able to put them in their home their home state or you know wherever they pass but he just wouldn't do it so they found a place and they renamed the town and everything else and it's Jim Thorpe Pennsylvania that's where Jim Thorpe is laid to rest I know another thing was like maybe at some point he could go to go back to Oklahoma or anything like that but I just it's sad. I mean, it's kind of a mute point at this at this area. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's always sad to hear stuff like that. Like he should have hit wherever you want to be buried. You know, yeah. Wherever wherever you want him to be buried, let's just make it happen because it's Jim Thorpe and everything he meant to people. That's why death is like crazy. Like it's a crazy. It's it's sad. You can live your life, you know, live life and and whatnot to your absolute fullest, but you're so easily you can be so easily forgotten when you pass away, and uh, it's sad. I think he's definitely one of those athletes that have been lost in the pages because there's really, as we see, there is no stats. There's only stories, and a lot of people just don't want to hear stories. They want to they want stats, right? And I, you know me, I pretty much don't really like stats too much, but, uh, so he's just kind of like lost it. And you talked about you going to the football hall of fame. I don't think a lot of people know who Jim Thorpe is as they go in there. And a lot of people today, they want to see the newer players that were just inducted or the players, maybe their father or even grandfather talked about, I mean, my, I, my father never talked about Jim Thorpe. This is just something that you just learned from reading things and everything else. Cause Jim Thorpe was way before his time. Right. But that's, I think that's, he's, he's getting lost with, which I think is a couple of the guys that we've talked about this month and Sammy Baugh and Red Grange. And I think that's why it's so great to look back on this. So we don't forget the people that paved the way for the players today and the exceptional athletes from, you know, just that time period and that can transcend time. I mean, there's records in there. Like, like you said, that weren't broken until 20 years later. That's impressive that yeah. you sending that much of a gap that it takes 20 years for an athlete to catch up with what you did. Yeah. That's like, ahead of his time, man. Just jump, jump into any sport and just be able to play it. Be great at it. 
be marketable. Yes. But um, there it is, everybody. That is Mr. Jim Thorpe. And uh, and the end of this uh, month's theme. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've talked about with the show coming to an end in February, uh, there's a lot of people and such that we want to talk about. We haven't had the chance to talk about. Um, and so here on out for the remainder of the show, uh, there there won't be any monthly themes. There won't be any monthly gimmicks or anything. Um, we were well planned out, and I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. Uh, it really is. Like, man. I think we were planned out for, like, the next year or so. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so what's going to happen is, yeah, we, we just pick whoever we want to talk about. Um we have a couple of faithful listeners who have sent in requests that we haven't had to uh, haven't had the opportunity to do yet, and we're going to try our best to present an episode for for each and every one of you who've reached out to us. So um, that's what's going to be. That is what it's going to be. So, but that is it, uh, Andrew. Actually, uh, you have choice next week. Then who uh, who do you want to speak of? I think I'm going to go with, uh, he just passed away, RIP, Mr. Len Dawson, next week. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Famous, uh, yeah, for his cigar and uh, in, in, in beer bottle, was it? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, a rolled cigarette and beer bottle. Somebody showed that picture, and they were like, it's Joe Montana, but I don't know if they were trolling or not. The internet's a weird, weird place. Who knows anymore? Yeah. But, um that is it. I'm behalf of Andrew and I. Till next time, two point conversation is good. <laughs>